The reading this morning is from Colossians 1, verses 15 to 23. The supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All these things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is a gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. May God add his blessing to this reading. Uh, let's pray as we come to have a, a little bit of a think about that passage, but also about what we've done over the last eight weeks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks that Jesus Christ, your Son, came and lived amongst us. Uh, the one who created all things dwelt among us and died and rose again to make us friends with you. Lord, we uh, give you thanks that over this last term we've had a look into Jesus. Uh, we've spent eight or nine weeks looking at Jesus and the people that he met and who met him. We pray this morning that as we uh, think through that, as we bring that to a close, as we think about the Jesus that we've met over the last eight weeks, that, Lord, this morning you'll open our hearts and our minds afresh to see Jesus and to respond to him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's what we've done. If you're a visitor here, over the last uh, term we've been spending eight weeks looking at the people who Jesus met. Uh, there was probably about nine or ten of them by the time we went through all of them. So if you haven't seen all that, you'll get a bit of a picture as we go through. What we want to do today is uh, bring that all together and, uh, in a sense, give us a big picture of what Jesus is like when you've, uh, if you've seen on the TV or on the um, news, whenever there's been some sort of crime, sometimes they put together a thing called an identicate picture, something that might look like that. I don't know who that is, but uh, they put it together, don't they? They grab all these pieces and they put it together and they make an identicate picture of the person. Uh, you can actually go onto the web these days and you can go to a, a site called Morphosis and you can do your own identical picture. You can put things together and make a face out of somebody. Uh, when they do that, they get information from a whole lot of different people. Uh, they come together and they try and put together what this person looked like. 
Now, on identical pictures, okay to do something like that, isn't it? It gives you a visual of what the person is like. But if you really wanted to know what that person was like, you'd need to go further, wouldn't you? You'd need to have sort of like a character reference of the person. You'd need an identicate that set up who they were like, but a character identicate picture that showed what they were actually like. Now, if you wanted to get an identicate picture of Ben Weeks, for example, who's at the front here with not much hair, uh, that's Ben, all you'd need to do is actually, if we had, didn't have him here, was grab Will, his son, and blow that up. That is it. You'd have an identicate picture of him, wouldn't you? But if you really wanted to know Ben, then you'd go around and ask people about Ben and his character. They could give you information about him, about his love for surfing, about his desire to share Jesus, about his passion for his family, about his genuineness, his gentleness, and I won't keep going and blow his head up too big, but uh, you'd do that, wouldn't you? You'd go and you'd find out those sorts of information about him if you wanted to know about him. And that's what we've done with Jesus over the last eight weeks. We've actually done an identical character reference of Jesus. We spent eight weeks looking at him and what he is on about and what he is like. And so today what we're going to do is we're just going to pull together about four parts of that, uh, four things I put into four topics uh, to try and show us what Jesus was like, the Jesus that we have met. Uh, if you're a visitor here this morning, hopefully you can still pick that up as we look at what Jesus was like. And as we do that, think about the responses that people had to Jesus and our response to this Jesus as well. Well, let's have a look at it together. We're going to go back to the Bible passage at some point because the Colossians sort of, in a sense, brings it together and puts it into one big passage for us. But we're going to have a bit of a think about where we've been over the time because I think the first thing that has really grabbed me as you go through the Gospels and think about Jesus is Jesus' openness. When we look at the people who Jesus met, it's an amazing array of different characters. Let me go through you the ones that we've met over this time. Uh, let me just explain some of them to you. Uh, in the first week, we saw Jesus meet Mary and Martha, two women, two women who we hear that Jesus loved and treated like family, two women who wanted to know about Jesus, one who went off and uh, got stuff ready and one who sat at his feet and listened. But we heard about those two women. The next week we met uh, Mary and Martha's brother, who was actually a dead smelly bloke at the time. He was dead. Lazarus was dead. And Jesus spoke and he came out of the tomb. He was alive. Then we met, the next one we met was Nicodemus, a Jewish ruler, one of the high parts of society at the time, one who knew lots of things, who had just about everything sorted. He was a respectable part of the society. He was probably one of those like... I don't know, your mayor and so forth in society. Well, mate. <laughs> then we met the Samaritan woman, another woman. A woman who was, respect, was not respected by the Jews at all, who any respectable Jewish man would not speak to. The Jews and the Samaritans disliked each other, basically hated each other. And a Jewish man speaking to a Samaritan woman is just not on. But Jesus spoke to her. And Jesus touched her heart. Then we heard about a bloke who'd been born blind from the very time he came into this world. He could not see. In that sense, he was probably one of the outcasts of society. He probably wasn't one of the ones that were up there in the main part of society. He was probably kept to the side. But yet Jesus meets him, speaks to him and heals him. Then we get to meet, we met a paralytic who had some great mates. 
had four guys who were so keen for him to meet Jesus that they dug through a roof to get him there. Then we met a rich bloke, a rich ruler, someone who had plenty of money. He was up there. James Packers of the world. He was one of those guys. He had everything going his way, or so he thought. He met Jesus. Then last week we met a blind beggar who was on the outskirts of the city, who wasn't even inside the city. He was probably out of the city because he was dirt. He was seen as being a beggar who was blind, an outcast of society. He was outside the city and no one would go near him and everyone told him to be quiet, but he met Jesus and was healed. And then when he came into the city, he meets another guy called Zacchaeus. He was a rich bloke, had lots of money, but he was despised and thought of as a sinner. Jesus meets him, goes to his home, and the guy is transformed. What grabs you about that list of people that Jesus met? What's something that you have pictured in that? Benjamin. Yep. And uh, some of that they met, some decided not to meet it. Yeah, walk away. They were trying to find out. What else about them? They came from a very wide part of society, didn't they? Jesus didn't just spend his time with those that look good. Jesus just didn't spend all his time with those in the gutter. Jesus met all people from all parts of society. Ever thought about that? Jesus is not the God of the middle class only. Jesus is the God for all people. He opens his arms to everyone. I think that's the thing that grabbed me. As I was reading through the different people that Jesus met and the way that he responded to them and the picture that I thought of last week when I brought it to you about Nicodemus and the blind guy is that when you think about Jesus and you look at him, it's almost like the part of his character is that openness in that his arms are like this and saying, welcome, come to me. Whereas the people around him are going like this. Get away. Don't want to know. You shouldn't be talking to those sorts of people. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing that, that, that difference isn't it, between this and this. Jesus is welcoming and open. And the amazing thing is that when we we'll get onto this a little bit later, when we look at the responses of people, but it's not so much that Jesus doesn't realise that these people have got things that need to change in their lives. Jesus doesn't open his arms in a sense and say, well, look, it's okay to stay the way that you are and that everything's rosy in your life. No, like Ben said, they all had needs and there were things about their lives that weren't perfect. Jesus opens his arms to people who aren't perfect and then when they meet him and respond to him, they are transformed and changed. It's a great lesson, isn't it, for us? As we think about the people who we open our arms up to and the ones that we do this to. We need to be having our arms open, don't we? And people out there, people around us, people, our friends, they're not always going to fit into our mould. They're not always going to be the people that we think that we'd like to have around us all the time. And sometimes they're going to do stuff that we think, why on earth did you do that? And that is despicable and that is terrible. Or how can you do that? But we are still to be like this, 
not like this. We're to be open to them, welcoming to them and bringing them to know Jesus as well. Because it's Jesus is the one that will transform them. Jesus is the one that will move in their lives and Jesus is the one that will conform them and bring them and make them more like himself. And that blew me away, I think, as I was thinking about this Jesus that we've met over these weeks. It's Jesus' openness. He's welcoming. He brings people in. He doesn't close his arms and drive them away. So that's our first identical uh, character, I think, that we have of Jesus, is Jesus' openness. It's stunning. And the second part, I think, as we look through and as we think about those characters I mentioned earlier, was Jesus' compassion. Uh, if you look into many of the big religions that we have around the world, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, the Muslim faith, uh, the one thing that you'll notice about a lot of them is, and even the ones that claim to be close to Christianity, is that their God, in one sense, is aloof or separate from them. That in one sense, God is over here and he's out there and you can never really quite know him, but you've just got to obey him. Or you've got to try and do all the good things that you can to try and get some sort of an enlightenment that, that frees you from this world and what's going on. Or There's some sense that you can never be there. You'll get to certain stages, but you'll never actually get to know God. Whereas here in Jesus, we see the one who created all become part of us and live with us. That's what that one uh, Colossians chapter 1 is about, isn't it? The creator, the one who created all things, who made all things, actually came and lived amongst us, who lived amongst us, who felt what we felt, who experienced what we experienced, who went through the dirt and the grime that we go through. He felt the pain of his best mate dying, a good friend of him, Lazarus, dead, and he weeps. And it wasn't a little tear that he had in his eye. The word is actually he wept, he bawled, basically got down his knees crying. He felt the pain of this world. That's a stunning God, isn't it? A God who comes in and reaches into our world to make sure and to save us from this world. That's a stunning God. That's a compassionate God, isn't it? Jesus is a compassionate person. He comes and lives amongst us. He feels that pain. He experiences that pain. He knows what it's like. And he does that to come into this world to free us from that pain. As Mike saying, uh, through his blood we are brought and have peace with God. His pain on the cross is our pain. His pain on the cross is all the things that we do wrong. He didn't deserve it. He did nothing wrong, but yet he hangs on the cross and those nails pierce his hands and his feet and he cries out in pain, in anguish. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he finishes with, it is finished. I have made peace between you and God because I've taken your pain on myself. And he reaches out to us and he says, take my hand and I'll take you through it. That is one compassionate God. That is one compassionate person.
You see, Jesus, I said when I went back in those days, we're looking with is a, a not a snag, a sensitive new age guy. He's a sag, isn't he? He's a sensitive all age guy. He's one of these people that you look at and he's got it all. There's a program that runs at the high school here called Rock and Water. I think that's the terminology, is it? They're trying to, they take blokes in the, in the school, they take them through this course it's called Rock and Water. And what is this idea of saying that at times uh, you need to be a rock, you need to be solid, you need to be able to stand, you need to be there, you need to do those hard stuff, you need to make the hard calls, and then other times you need to be like water. You need to be soft, you need to be able to move, you need to be able to allow things to happen around you. It's quite a good program. And when I thought about that program, I thought, it's missing one thing. It's missing Jesus. Because Jesus is the perfect example of rock and water. He stands firm. When people are teaching the wrong thing and the Pharisees are having a go at him, he stands up. When he goes to the cross, he stands up. When he comes through that and he calls people to follow him, he's no wimp, he's no weak guy, he stands firm. But there are times when you just feel his emotion, his compassion, his feeling as he reaches out and touches those that no one else would. When he looks into the heart of the Samaritan woman and speaks words of life to her. Compassion. Jesus' openness. Jesus' compassion are two characteristics that we've come through as we've looked through Jesus over these last weeks. And the third one we come to is Jesus' power. There's some powerful people in the world, isn't there? Uh, The President of the United States, George Bush at the moment, or whoever that might be over the coming weeks, is supposed to be the most powerful person in the world. Uh, There's people like Bill Gates, Kevin Rudd, your mum and your dad. They're powerful people, aren't they? But no one compares to the power of Jesus. Listen to this. He speaks and a paralytic walks. He touches and a blind person from death, from birth, sorry, sees. He speaks and people give up everything, all their life that they've worked for and follow him. He speaks to the grave and a person comes back from the dead. He speaks into a person's life and their soul is quenched. He speaks into people's hearts and their hearts are set alight. He dies on a cross and sin is dealt with. He rises from the dead and he gives hope for the world. He speaks, he touches, he heals, he forgives, he dies, he rises again and people's lives are transformed. Transformed. How awesome is Jesus Christ? How powerful is he? No one in any history, no one comes close to him. No one. You read about all the great people over history, they've done some good things, but no one comes one iota close to Jesus. It's stunning. 
He is the powerful, most powerful person that's ever been here because he is God amongst us. That's what Colossians said, didn't it? He who created the whole heavens and the earth, he created everything that we see around us, comes and lives with us. Amazing. Jesus, the awesome power of the creator. Jesus, the awesome power of the saviour. And he's the only one who can do it because he's the only one who's been through it and done it. A number of years ago when I was a little bit younger, uh, I went with a friend of mine to Mole Creek in Tassie. Do you know where Mole Creek is? Has anyone been there? Mole Creek, it's a great spot. There's uh, caves and there's the Mole Creek. Uh, I think there's a Tasmanian Devil Park at Mole Creek and it sits underneath the Western Tiers in Tassie. It's a beautiful part of the world, a darn freezing part of the world, but it's a beautiful part of the world. And a friend of mine lives out there and there are these natural caves that you can go into on people's properties. Well, if you don't tell them, you can go in there. Uh, they're on people's properties in uh, different places and the people who are locals know about those things. And uh, one day my friend Nick invited me out to go and we were going to go caving. So we put on wetsuits because they were wet caves, uh, wetsuits, and we used to have torches and we just had a torch that we used to have in our mouth and uh, we'd walk through the caves. And Nick took me there one day and when you go down into the cave, it's, it's pretty amazing to start with, and then it just opens up in this big cavern. And then a little bit further you go in, it goes completely dark. And you cannot see a single thing. You can't see your hand in front of you. All you've got is a torch. And I went with Nick through this cave. As I was going through this cave, there was no way known that I could get through this cave if I didn't have Nick with me. Uh, at certain parts we were walking with just the torchlight and with our, our legs spread apart with rushing water going through the middle. And this freezing cold water, I know it was freezing cold because I slipped and fell in. And whoosh, straight down. And the only reason I got out of that was because, again, Nick was there and his hand grabbed me and pulled me out and got me back up onto the ledge again and then we kept going. Uh, an amazing experience. But there is no way I could have possibly got through that cave by myself if I hadn't had Nick who'd been through it before me. Jesus has gone through death for us. Jesus has been through life and death for us. He's shown us the perfect life and he's risen again and he's the only one who's done it. And all we need to do is put our hand in his hand and he'll take us through as well. That's how powerful Jesus is. That's how powerful he is. In that passage it said for us in Colossians, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, so that in him everything, so that in him, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus is supreme above all. He's over all and he should be over us as well. You see, that was the outcome of the people who Jesus met. They either followed him or they walked away. They either came under his supremacy or they couldn't come at it at all. The rich ruler was challenged to put Jesus number one and he walked away sad. Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus, was challenged to put Jesus number one and his life was transformed because he trusted in him. I suppose the big question is, is where are you with Jesus? Are you walking away? 
not wanting him to have an impact on your life? Are you still in the crowd, not sure what to do with Jesus at the moment? Are you just thinking, where, where does he fit? Are you ready to welcome Jesus? Have you welcomed Jesus, and, but really you're still treading water, not really sure whether I need to follow him or not? Have you met Jesus and are you power walking with him? I reckon this morning that there are people in this room that are in all different parts of that, different parts of that equation. Walking away from him, unsure whether to walk to him, walking with him but really just treading water and some of you are just on fire for Jesus. Well, Jesus says to you this morning, as he said throughout these eight weeks that we've looked at him, He wants to present you holy in his sight and without blemish, as we heard in Colossians chapter 1. He wants to present you to God perfect. His openness reaches out to you with his arms open wide and he says, come. His compassion fills your pains, your joys, your fears, your apprehension through this life, through this pain through your sin, and he wants to say, I can take that and I want to bring you into perfection. He says, come follow me. He says, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I'll always be with you. And I'll give you far more than you ever gave up for me. And I can do it. Because what may seem impossible to you is possible for me. Jesus. Supreme. All-powerful, compassionate, open. Jesus stands here this morning and speaks to you with his arms open wide and he says to each and every one of you, no matter where you are, no matter what position you're in, he says, come, follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to take a moment. We want to take a moment just to consider what we've listened to, what we've heard over the last couple of weeks, uh, what was read to us from Colossians, what we heard sung to us out of Colossians, what's just gone through our mind as we've looked at the Jesus we've met. Lord, we ask that you will touch our hearts this morning. That by your spirit, Lord, you will pull us to yourself. By your spirit, Lord, you will take us. And that we will follow you. That, Lord, we may be willing to give up everything. To follow Jesus, the creator. Jesus, our Saviour. Jesus, the all-powerful. Jesus, the supreme. To follow him. To follow him now, in this life, and into eternity with you forever, Lord. Help us do that, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen.